I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. And welcome everybody to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and I am a co-owner of Cape Gunworks in Hyannis, Massachusetts. And we are glad to be here on the air talking all things firearms, self-defense, and the Second Amendment. And this is sponsored by Vortex Optics, so make sure you check out their real cool lineup of stuff. We sell a ton of Vortex Optics down here at Cape Gunworks. We have a really good inventory of their selection, so if you're looking for that perfect scope for your hunting season or red dot sight for your pistol or rifle, or if you want to get a variable power scope for your AR or something to that effect, then we can help you and get you set up. Also, don't forget to go to capegunworks.com and click on Rapid Fire and get signed up so you can be alerted anytime we go live and we record the show. And it's pretty funny. I've been getting a lot of feedback like, ah, people get all upset. I missed the show again this week. But if you go to capegunworks.com, you'll find the archive of shows so you don't have to miss out. Just go to capegunworks.com and click on Rapid Fire and you can go to our whole past season of shows past two seasons at this point we're almost into season three um so remember to like us on all the social media platforms out there that big tech is firmly in control of and trying to censor every day so go to at cape gunworks on twitter facebook and all the usual suspects we're also on some of the newer ones like parlor and we're going to be on rumble and we're going to be on a bunch of other ones coming up soon so getter and all those good ones so whatever your uh, favorite social media site is we will soon be there you can also listen to the podcast of the show wherever you find your podcast just type in rapid fire as all one word and you can podcast this show highly entertaining for long drives so go to capegunworks.com not to mention we have the gunmakers match coming up so on november 20th and 21st we have this epic two-day event of the first ever Gunmakers match. Woohoo! I think it's the first ever Gunmakers match in the state of Massachusetts. And I think it's probably the third or fourth ever in the history of the country that is specifically geared toward people who have a home built firearm. If you've never home built your own firearm, it's a fun and exciting hobby. And it's actually a good way to get the gun that you actually want. So if you're like want a 365, for instance, without a thumb safety or a SIG 320 without a thumb safety, the only way you can do that is if you build it yourself out of the SIG fire control units. So the neat thing about that is you can build 
the gun into whatever configuration you want, like a competition gun or an everyday carry gun, or you can have your pro cut slide with a red dot, or you can put just carry sights on it and change your grip all around. There's aftermarket grips, there's SIG factory grips, et cetera, et cetera. Then, oh, my. <laughs> then Polymer 80 also makes some great uh, grip modules for the 320. So if you want a nice full-size grip with a different texture and a big mag release button and an undercut trigger guard and whatnot, you can get that for, for your 320. It won't make it do that. But you can also build your own Glock-ish styled weapon from Polymer 80. We have plenty of those lowers in stock. We have some slides coming in. We have the lower parts kits back in stock. So if you want to build something or... If you really are tech savvy and you've 3D printed your own and you want to use that in the match, there'll be a separate division for the people who make their own gun, all 3D printed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, and we got a question, is the ghost gun makers included? Yeah, they're all technically ghost guns except in this state when you have seven days to register them but they're registered with no serial number so is it really a ghost gun if it doesn't have a serial number and you register it or is it considered a firearm at that point but whatever we'll let them sort that out so there you go um yeah we have we have uh that coming up that'll be exciting and all kinds of other stuff going on. We have lots of classes at Cape Gunworks. But more importantly, we're here to answer questions. We're here to take your calls and answer your question. Um, obviously, you've got to be following us live if you want to call in. It's a little hard to do that not live. We haven't figured out that way yet. Um, September is in the bag, and we're rolling into the fall season, and hunting season is upon us. Um, we got that pumpkin spice 9mm in stock and that apple cider 45 and all the scents of fall. So it is hunting season coming up. Archery season is right there. If you haven't got into a bow yet and you really want a nice bow, I'll help you get set up um, and get your season extended. If you're an avid hunter and you're like, ah, I just got to wait till December almost to... Uh, go hunting for deer well not really if you go archery you can get an extra six eight weeks so we'd love to get you in the woods early and often and then you can hunt from now almost until the end of the year first couple of weeks of october until the end of the year it's a great way to go um, we got lots of stuff in stock for hunting and to get you in the woods and you know make your hunt a success all right, enough about all the stuff we have going on, even though we do have more inventory right now than in the history of Cape Gunworks. So you'll want to check that out. But we got the gun makers match. We got uh, hunting season. I want to host a hunter safety course soon. So now that the instructors are have been allowed to do in-person classes again, we will hopefully have a class on the books and on the radar very soon. I'll be talking with uh, the guys who are the powers that be that do those classes for us. So there you go. Um, we'll get to your questions in a minute. Uh, we have some stuff coming up. And in, in this hour, we're going to be talking to Keith 
Langer, Second Amendment attorney here in the great state of Massachusetts. Um, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the Grace Curley show this week for 2A Tuesday, probably because it was on Wednesday. So you might have been confused why you didn't hear it, but we are we are on the Grace Curley show every Tuesday from basically around 2.05 until 2.45. So we take a lot of calls and answer your questions on the air. And uh, it's a great time to, you know, talk with me or Grace about your gun-related 2A question. Uh, there was some talk today on the air about the McCloskeys, who I heard are back in court. What are they back in court about? Did you hear what they're back in court about? Well, anyway, they got a full pardon from the governor, so I don't know what the heck they could be back in court about. But anyway, a lot of people wondering why I was taking the stance I was taking against kind of the McCloskeys. I thought what they did was very dangerous and um, could have escalated that to the point where they would have had to respond by force. And that's not a good thing. But anyway, they their technique wasn't great, but... I'll talk more about that on the other side uh, when we come back. So you're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Get ready. We're going to answer some questions on the other side. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC-3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC-3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low-light shooting, and because the reticle is glass-etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target out to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC-3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC-3. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and join us every week as we go live and get your questions answered. Go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire. There's a ton of other stuff over there on the website as well, um, classes, as well as inventory. And if you live in a free state where we can ship ammo, we're willing to do that. So we're happy to send ammo to wherever you are. And um, that is not a thing in Massachusetts unfortunately but there's a glimmer of hope on the horizon when it comes to that so more about that at another time i'll just tease that out i'm just going to leave that like a like somebody came in the room and Aha! let something go and then walked out right we all know what i'm talking about that really stinks man to do that to somebody but anyway um 
So hope you hope you all having a wonderful week. Um, lots of Second Amendment stuff going on with the current administration and Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has, I think, five cases now on the docket. So um, the five cases are uh, various forms of requiring some sort of reason to, uh, to you know, justify why you need a firearm to, uh, in some cases, does the Second Amendment give you the right to carry concealed or unconcealed outside of the home? Also, uh, I think there's another case on there about uh, a fellow who was a nonviolent felon. And I think he got convicted of not paying child support like 20 years ago. And then all of a sudden, here he is, like never been able to own a gun since because of his that's a felony it was a felony at the time so uh, is that okay and they're going to ask the supreme court of the land to make the decision like hey if you have you know done something stupid but you're not a violent felon why is that prohibited for why are you prohibited for life and frankly i'd love to see that um that heard and i i think nonviolent felons should have their rights restored and Especially when you think about what the Constitution really does, it acknowledges the basic human right that we have as, it's not just Americans, as citizens of the world, if you will, that we have a basic human right to self-defense and to be able to overthrow tyranny. There's a lot of governments out there that you know, turn tyrannical and they keep their people living in squalor and squalid conditions and the human rights abuses that take place under those tyrannical uh, governments it should be stopped. And so our founders acknowledged that that is a basic human right endowed to us by our creator. It's not a government right. It's not a government issued thing that somebody can say hey you by the way i'm being really nice because i'm going to give you the ability to defend yourself against the, a threat no that isn't what they said they said these are inalienable or unalienable you can't take them away so what the heck happened to our second amendment in america it doesn't even look like anything it originally was intended to look like when there's 20 30,000 laws on the books about dealing with interacting with firearms and a lot of them are regulations a lot of them are uh, you know there's code there's uh, you know some of its law some of its just regular municipal codes or municipal regulations or their Commonwealth of Massachusetts regulations, attorney general rules and regulations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like none of these people have the right to take away something that's given to us by our creator. And they love to interject and start to wield their power as government officials, which really the government is for the people, by the people. Remember the by the people thing. So it's whatever the people want. It's not whatever the government official says we can have. So we've strayed quite a bit from the, 
yes, dangerous form of freedom that our founders set up. But they knew that power, absolute power corrupts and corrupts absolutely, right? So they know the propensity to, of man when they gain control or gain power of something is to perpetuate that and get more and more control. Government officials, politicians like control and they, they want to remain in control and the best way to do that is to manage every aspect of your life because it's for your personal safety. And I think Benjamin Franklin said it best when he said, those that desire will trade a little bit of freedom, or will trade their freedom for a little bit of safety, deserve neither freedom nor safety. Of course, that's a paraphrase, but um, the that's the the bottom line is if you're willing to trade your freedom, your basic freedoms for safety, then you don't deserve safety or freedom. You deserve what you get. And there's those of us out there that really do believe in freedom. And, you know, we understand that freedom isn't always safe. Safe Safety isn't the main priority of freedom. Freedom is. And man's heart yearns to be free. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning like, man, I hope someone's going to tell me what to do today and how to do it because I, you know, I wouldn't know what to do if it wasn't for that. So that's the problem is government thinks that's what we need. They, they look down their nose at us and they have two tiered justice system, two forms of government, uh, two forms of justice, one for them and one for the rest of us. And if you're not part of the good old boy crew or the, or the, you know, cabal or the deep state or the insider clique or club or whatever you want to call it, then you get one set of rules. And if you are part of the elite ruling class, then, you know, there's a wink and a nod. And I want to see that exposed and come down more than anything else. I think that corruption is something that needs to be exposed. And I do believe that the um, what the Bible says, which is what's done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. And I can't wait for the, that day. There's nothing better than when corrupt individuals, like we just had that mayor of Fall River who was shaking down <laughs> marijuana dispensaries. He was taking cash payments. He also forced people to invest in his app, like his internet app or whatever is you know, Android or iTunes app for uh, mobile phones. And he was like, hey, uh, you know, shaking people down. And if you want to open a dispensary in this town, you're going to have to pay, pay the man. You're going to have to bow and kiss the ring. That type of, uh, that type of uh, government is so corrupt and so wicked and so uh, evil that I believe those people need to be made examples of. And unfortunately, I think they went a little soft on him. He he stood, he was looking down the barrel at 11 or 12 years in prison, and they cut it to six years. And his attorney wanted like time served or six months or some silly thing like that. And the judge stayed firm with six years to say, no, this is to, this is also punitive to make sure that nobody ever does that again. Well, there's no punitive part to it if you cut in half the sentence that he could have got. I think punitive damages are 
things that exceed what the mandatory minimum is so or what he could get or at least the maximum of what he could get so in other words if you want to address something punitively then give them the maximum possible sentence if he could have got 11 years he should have got 11 years but anyway um, I would love to see that happen especially as it relates to firearms hypocrisy on the Grace Curley show we were talking about the McCloskeys because one of the guys and I forget the name of the dude who was writing these tweets and whatnot he's this uh, this guy who I think was a uh, think tank guy for some uh, you know, media group, and he was tweeting these things like, if I had seen these racist people, you know, coming at me with guns, I would have charged them and beat them to a pulp. And then he did, he sent several texts along those lines. Now, here's a guy who is, uh, <laughs> he's number one, casting aspersions on them that they're racist because they don't want Black Lives Matter to have a protest in their yard. And so they're issuing, they're ushering them along. So he immediately defaults to they're racist. That's the, um, that's the most common thing that people say when they, you don't agree with the woke crowd is you're a racist. I don't believe they're racist. But anyway, the second part of that is it just came out that this guy beat his wife. So a guy who's, you know, displaying violent tendencies towards the McCloskeys through Twitter and all of his, you know, social media posts, it turns out he is that violent and beat his own wife. And so guy like that, I would love to see the book thrown at him. And, you know, he wants to, you know, it's kind of like the Jesus said, you'll be judged by what you do, right? And uh, that's what the whole judge not lest he be judged thing comes about. Here's a guy judging the McCloskeys for defending their home with a firearm and yet going home and beating his own wife. Good job, buddy. Like, throw the book at that guy. Throw the book at him. All right. If you want the best legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Members can call their lawyers anytime, even for compliance questions when they join U.S. Law Shield. So we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Don't go away. The Voltec VT10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. 
so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltechSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltechSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. This is attorney Keith G. Langer, not just a gun rights lawyer, but a fellow gun owner at home on the range as well as in court. I can help you obtain or regain your firearms license, recover or transfer your firearms, and defend you against firearms or other criminal charges. I can also help protect your property with will sets, including trusts, healthcare proxies, and powers of attorney zoning or other permitting issues, as well as collections and civil litigation. To schedule a consultation, call 508-384-8692. That's 508-384-8692. Or visit my website, kglangerlaw.com. Talk to you soon. All right, welcome back to the show. This is Toby Leary, your host of Rapid Fire. And joining us today is a good friend of the show, Keith Langer, who is an excellent attorney, who is also a gun guy himself. And Keith, thanks for joining us on the show today. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are things down there on the glorified sand dune? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thanks for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Keith, a lot of people call us and ask, you know, can they carry a gun in the car? Can they... You know, what do they got to do? Do they have to lock it up? Do they, you know, does it have to be on them or in a locked case? Can they use the center console? So this is a recurring theme for us all the time. And I figured we would ask the expert and uh, get your opinion on how to stay out of trouble when traveling with a gun in your car in the great state of Massachusetts. Well, the bottom line is, if you're traveling with a gun in the car, it depends on the type of gun. I'm assuming you're asking really about handguns. Yeah, but maybe long guns you can weigh in on if the nuance of those as well. Well, if, unless it's a large capacity long arm, it does not have to be locked. But prudence suggests that you have it at least in a case and preferably in your trunk where if you are pulled over, the cop won't see it and have a meltdown. Right. Now... A gun that's locked in the trunk is lawful in Massachusetts as long as it's not loaded. You can transport with the gun locked in the trunk. For a handgun that's uh, a little bit more difficult, it has to be in a locked case. A trigger lock does not work for transport. It has to be a locked case, locked in your trunk or on you. Okay. It's loaded. It has to be on you under your direct control. Well, that's where it gets a little iffy. What is under your direct control? 
Is it one of those magic magnets under the dash? Mm, maybe. Is it in a console under your right arm? One could argue that. In your glove box? A very poor choice for any number of reasons. The primary one being, where is your re registration kept? Oh, wait, in the glove box. Yeah, you want to pop that open when you're stopped by the side of the road and have a gun sitting there. Right. So you see the difficulties there. The best place, the one that they cannot challenge, is on your body. Mm. Uh, for long driving, I think a shoulder holster is the way to go if you've got a garment over it. Otherwise, you're going to have to have it probably smaller back, which is less than comfortable. But if you're carrying a loaded handgun on you, it has to be under your direct control. And for most situations, they're going to deem that to be on your person. And if you want to claim in a console or the magic magnet is under your control, it's going to be your burden to do so in court. Now, let me ask just a little nuance to that question, um, which is, what about people who off-body carry in like a purse with a gun staged in the purse or a backpack that's designed to carry a gun concealed? And that maybe it's on the floor of the passenger side. Obviously, I think if there's a passenger in the car, it might even change that criteria again. But if you're traveling alone and the bag's on the passenger side floor, is that would you do you think that would be considered uh, under your direct control? Not really. Uh, Off-body carry is always iffy for a number of reasons, especially a purse because purse matching. Sure. If it's in a backpack, if it's in a purse in the passenger footwell in the back seat, that's not really under your direct control. Mm -hmm. And again, it's going to be on you to prove that somehow does constitute under your direct control if you're stopped and if it's found. Got it. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily mean, you know, leaving it in the car in a bag. But, um, you know, if you're traveling, obviously most people take their purse or their backpack off their body to put it on the seat next to them or on the floor of the passenger seat. And, uh, you know, that if they're traveling alone, how is, you know, you're in control of the vehicle and there's nobody else in there that could access it without authorization. When you stop and get out of the car, you're grabbing your bag with you. So I'm not sure. I mean, I guess what you're saying is we would have, you would have to prove that. The burden of proof would be on you to prove that that is, in fact, a reasonable, uh, it's under your control, right? Well, it's, and it's going to be a two-edged sword. For criminal possession, they're going to use the wingspan rule, the old Chimmel case. If you can reach it, it's accessible and it's under your control and you're responsible for it. If you're not licensed, you're in unlawful possession. In Massachusetts, where the statute says under your direct control, they'll turn around and say, you run the risk of them turning around and saying, well, it's in a purse in the footwell. You know, that's not under her direct control. It's in a backpack. There's even less of your direct control because you got to fish it out. And they're also assuming the more or less ideal circumstances where you're only pulled over for speeding and they're not doing anything else. Mm -hmm. If you're in some sort of accident, you may not even be conscious. Now your gun is floating around in a purse. It may have flown out of the purse. Uh, you've got to think outside the box of the ideal world, A to B, travel, and you're pulled over for a burned-out taillight or because you did a California stop at a stop sign. Hmm. That's not always what the situation will be. 
Yeah. And if there's any indicia of gun ownership on the car, which is another reason why you probably shouldn't, uh, then you're going to be dealing with issues of, do you have a gun on you? Right. Now, you're under no duty to announce that fact when you're stopped, but if you are asked, you have to answer. Sure. And if you say, yeah, here it is, it's in my backpack in the back seat, or here it is, it's, let me fish it out of my purse in the footwell. Mm, you're just opening yourself up to difficulties you really don't want to have. Mm-hmm. Well, it's such a two-edged sword, like you said, because, I mean, sh- shoot, you could make the argument that if you do get in an accident and I'm unconscious, it's not even under my direct control on my body at that point because I'm unconscious. And, the you know, the first responder that's putting me on the stretcher is going to find it and say, oh, shoot, he's got a gun. So, But it was duly secured on your person up until the point of impact and your loss of consciousness. Sure. As opposed to floating around in a backpack, a purse, uh, well, when I say an unlocked pistol case under your seat. Yeah, and when I say a purse or a backpack, I don't mean floating around. I mean, like, I carry a Vertex backpack with a hidden, concealed, quick-access storage compartment that has a Velcro liner in it that a Kydex Velcro holster sticks to, and the gun is secured in the Kydex holster. And I can, you know... With shedding one of the straps, you can grab the this quick access tab and open the holes, open the backpack, and I can deploy the gun as quickly as if I am carrying in an appendix position or a three o'clock position. Believe it or not, I have video up on YouTube about that. So it is a very secure on, you know, I call it off body because it's in a bag that I'm wearing on my body, but. When I get in the car, I don't drive around with a backpack on. You know, I take it off, put it on the side, you know, the seat next to me or put it on the uh, the floor well of the uh, passenger seat. It's still arm's reach. I can grab it and pull it right into my lap. But, you know, it's and again, it's not floating around inside the bag. I would recommend securing it in a responsible manner so that when you're going for the pack of Trident, and a piece of gum, you're not inadvertently shooting yourself in the foot through the bottom of your purse or through your bag. You know what I mean? But it's an interesting but, subject, and I guess... But the bottom line is it's going to be on you to prove it. Right. Do you want to go to that bother and expense? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's. I guess it's the risk we take in Massachusetts, even carrying a gun, period. You were going to have to maybe potentially ex- explain how and why we do what we do, but... So have you had any accordingly? Yeah. And so have you had any situations where you've, you know, represented someone in this type of situation before? Yes, uh, we concluded one such case Monday. Oh, okay. The the guy had planned to go out shooting with his buddies and had the gun in the car. And then it started to rain, so they said, mm, "Never mind." Well, he left the gun with a trigger lock in the case, in the car. But the car was, not surprisingly where he lived, broken into and the gun stolen. And he dutifully reported the gun as stolen. Hmm. And the gun was subsequently recovered about two days later. Of course, by that time, the gun had neither any trigger lock nor a serial number. It had been defaced. (laughs) So he was charged with negligent storage. I moved for pretrial probation. And the 
ADA in charge of the case wanted a statement of mitigating circumstances to justify any such disposition, which I, of course, promptly provided. So we continued the hearing to Monday, and I conferred with the ADA in charge, and he had a different suggestion. Instead of pretrial probation, which obviously requires probation, he suggested something I'd not even seen in a gun case. Filed. Not continue without a finding. Filed. For one year, with no change of plea, which was, of course, not guilty. No court costs, no victim and witness fees, no probation, which means no probation costs. So basically, the client keeps his nose clean for a year, which he will have no trouble doing. He has no record whatsoever. And the case will be dismissed. His position as a youth athletic coach is not in peril. His job is not in peril, and he saved a heck of a lot of money over another round of pre-trial conferences and jury selection and trial. It was an exceptionally fair, rational, and just disposition. Great. Well, that's unique, right? I mean, that doesn't happen every day. It certainly uh, uh, worked out really it's good. A- It's a unicorn of a decision. (laughs) Well, nice. I'm glad that it uh, was something that you were able to help them out with, and uh, that's great. Um, Well, another job well done, Keith. I appreciate you joining us today. And uh, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, the usual. Go to the website, kglangerlaw.com, or give me a shout at 508-384-8692. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, and join us again. Next week, hopefully, you'll be around to talk more things law. And remember, join us for the Gunmakers Match, a shooting contest for gunmakers being held at Cape Gunworks for the first time. November 20th and 21st, we have the Educational Day on the 20th and the match on the 21st. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the Gunmakers banner for registration purposes. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. We'll be right back. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Join us every week for Rapid Fire. Go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, 
so you can be a part of the show. And speaking of being a part of the show, we want to thank Keith Langer for his uh, poignant observations of Mass General Law and doing a lot of good work keeping those of us who do carry a gun for personal protection in good hands. So he had a great outcome for that client that he was representing. But let's get to the point of the show that we get to your questions. So if you have a question, you want to be a part of the show, go ahead and type it into the chat box of whatever social media platform you're following along on, and we'll be glad to answer it. So getting to some of your questions, um, Jeff says, I'm late to the party. I hope I didn't miss too much. (laughs) I hope not either. And if you did, you can always podcast it later. Rapid fire, all one word, or go to capegunworks.com and listen to the archive. Bob says that street level criminals are not making ghost guns. And I would say I agree with that premise for the most part. I, I think you're right. But even if some are, if there's a criminal element breaking the law and arming themselves, then no law that you create to defend against that is going to, or to deter that by making it so the legal people can't do it is going to work because they're criminals. They're criminals in the first place, right? So therefore, they don't follow the law. So that's a separate issue of how to prosecute criminals who continually break gun laws in Massachusetts. That would be a great topic and a big show discussion. So um, yeah, Bob saying he's building his own Polymer 80 Glock 17 build, and it is not exactly cheap. It's an expensive endeavor. And I would agree it's more money than if you could buy a Glock at the gun store, which you can't because Massachusetts. But if you're building your own and you're building it the P80, the Polymer 80, in my opinion, it's a really good quality build. I really like their stuff. Polymer 80 makes good stuff. And the I like the grip module. I like it better than the traditional Glock uh, frame that comes from the factory. Uh, I know I probably just crushed a lot of Glock fanboys out there, but I, I'm sorry. I like the Polymer 80 version better. And if it wasn't for Glock, I frankly think they were the pioneer of the striker fire, modern striker fired pistol. Um, most modern guns wouldn't exist in the way that they do, but Glock pioneered that. They're funny, you know, very funny, peculiar way, not funny ha-ha way, unless you have a weird sense of humor. Um, They still make the same gun that they made in 1988. It's just different size and, you know, in some cases, different caliber. But they haven't really changed much with the times. They've... They've morphed a little bit. Every They're up to Gen 5. The, the fifth iteration of the same gun has some like front cocking serrations. And in some cases, the MOS version uh, will take a red dot sight. And now you can use an ambidextrous safety. I think since Gen 3, you can move the safety to the right side of the gun. Or maybe that's Gen 4, excuse me. Um, now you can make the safety work for wrong-handed people. So, um, I'm sorry, not safety, mag release. Excuse me, clocks don't have a safety. Uh, but 
I digress. In other words, what I'm saying is they don't, they're pretty slow to change. And I would love to see some big quantum leap uh, in their firearm design. I would say the Glock 44 might be the biggest quantum leap they've had. They make a good 22 pistol. Um, but that that really is about it. I like their 48, the Glock 48, which is like a skinny 19. Um, it's a 10-round mag, but Shield Systems makes a 15-round metal mag that holds 15 rounds. So if you live in a free state, you can put the 15-round mag in a Glock 48, which in my opinion renders the Glock 19 kind of useless. It's a lot, lot uh, narrower frame gun. Uh, so anyway, uh, Nicole, one of the girls who works here at Cape Gunworks, took our intuitive defensive shooting class last week and has a Glock 19. And she was definitely struggling with working the controls of that gun because her fingers are short, just smaller hands. And definitely one of the things that an all-day eight-hour class will do is expose the weaknesses in your equipment. So um, there you have that. It, you'll want to try it out and put it through the test to make sure that gun works well for you. But anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that as well on the other side. Don't forget to check out Date Night every Friday and Ladies Night on Thursdays. Our Ladies Night last week was jammed. Unfortunately, we had to turn ladies away, so we might have to go back to every week. But it's every other week right now. And you can also do a range experience package if you don't have a license and you want to try out a gun and see if it's for you. Come take our range experience package. No license required. Awesome. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to take more of your questions on the other side. This is Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. This is Toby, your host, and I am co-owner of Cape Gunworks down in Hyannis, Massachusetts. Be sure to follow us at capegunworks.com. Click on Rapid Fire, and we will let you know anytime we go live with the show. So as promised, we're going to get to some of your questions here. Um, I was talking about the street-level criminals not making ghost guns that Bob was talking about, and I kind of got down a rabbit trail, and... Uh, the big point is it doesn't matter if they are, Bob, because it doesn't reflect on us as the responsible gun-owning community. And there's no reason for the 
federal government to um, restrict the legal construction of firearms. And that's what the whole uh, gun makers match is all about. So we're really excited to host that. So hopefully uh, you'll be bringing along the polymer 80 build that you're building and you're going to put it to good use and put it through the paces at the match. So um, the Gunmakers match is this November 20th and 21st. So you want to come for the education day on the 20th and then the match on the 21st. So we'll give you a hand. Scott Mack has a uh, comment, Australia with an exclamation point. And I'm sure that was a comment based on, you know, earlier when we were discussing uh, the government restricting rights. And if you look at how things have gone and for years I've been beating back that mantra by the gun control advocates that we need common sense gun control and we need Australian style gun control. It's working in Australia. Ever since they enacted the gun control in Australia, there's never been a mass shooting since. And that's not exactly true, by the way. But number uh, two is it has become a more violent place. There's Violent crime is higher than it was prior to the uh, gun confiscation. And Australia-styled gun con uh, control is actual confiscation. Like, surrender your weapon or you will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law under the, you know, whatever the law punishment was. And that is people complied because they didn't have a second amendment that acknowledged their inherent human right to defend themselves against tyrannical government and against those that wish to do them harm. And so they surrendered, they acquiesced, they did what they thought was the civilized thing and they surrendered their firearms. And guess what's going on in Australia right now? They're getting shot with pepper balls and rubber bullets for going outside, for not wearing a mask, for having a rally or a protest. Their First Amendment has been totally squashed. And when I say that, I use that under the, you know, the auspices of what we call our First Amendment on the under the Bill of Rights. They don't have a First Amendment, and that's pretty obvious. But Again, our, our founders were smart enough to acknowledge basic human rights. First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment. You know, these are all uh, the basic human rights that are unalienable. You can't put a lien or an attachment. You can't call them into question. And, and the second is the one that says shall not be infringed. But now that Australia has taken the guns away, people are starting to protest i like the dude riding around on the horse saying come on guys let's cross over they can't arrest us all and it's true they can't <laughs> it's you know the there's a lot more people than there are police that are there to enforce these unjust inhumane uh crimes against humanity if if you want to call it something uh but yeah being in i think south wales or whatever they're they're like thinking about allowing people to be able to go out of their home for more than an hour a day. So they're literally in solitary confinement in their home. They're under house arrest uh, because somebody might have come up with a COVID positive case somewhere in that state. 
And so now the whole country gets locked down 23 hours a day. And they're like, you're doing a good job staying in your house 23 hours. We might give you an extra hour to come out and see the sunlight. But just insanity. And what is that doing to the economy? Um, it seems like socialism is the natural outflow of tyranny. So whenever tyrannical governments come into power and, and want to control every aspect of people's lives, then obviously socialism is the natural outflow. You don't need to work because we're going to take care of you. We're going to put you on the dole. We're going to give you a paycheck. We're going to you know, make sure that you got health insurance. We're going to make sure that your school bills are taken care of, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. I'm not trying to go down the uh, political road, although I just did. Um, but the bottom line is socialism has failed every time it's tried, especially, uh, you know, because socialism is communism in wolf's clothing, uh, in sheep's clothing, excuse me. It's the wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, so look at, you know, Venezuela, the most recent case of where a flourishing country that is rich in natural res uh, resources has been brought to its knees and people literally eating garbage it's it's a sad state of affairs but hopefully we don't see anything like that happen in america and i'd love to see how they're going to round up 400 million guns from 100 million gun owners and you know that's certainly something that they're going to have to think long and hard about should it ever come to that hopefully not um so davy says the Couple's only problem was they pointed loaded guns at people. You only do that if the trigger is being pulled in self-defense. And I would agree And that he's referring to the McCloskeys, who uh, Bob chimed in that the Missouri Bar Association is going to revoke the McCloskey's law license because um, they apparently don't support Second Amendment rights, which is pretty obvious that they do not. Um, so, yes, that couple did a lot of things wrong, but frankly, you know, without being trained in the proper safe and efficient use of a firearm, then you're kind of just making it up as you go along. You're improvising under stress, which is not a good idea. I don't recommend it. I recommend you get trained in the safe and efficient use of firearms. Um, take a good class. Take a USCCA class. Take a intuitive defensive shooting class. Take a class that is really geared toward de-escalation or being aware of uh you know what's going on around you so um cd7 says how much does it typically cost to get five pre-ban ar mags and also for hunting are there any favorite shotgun choices by hunters in mass um well first things first uh five pre-ban ar mags you can get that probably as cheap as um 30 bucks a piece like we sell a uh mag that was made by the israelis and um, it's called an Orlite, o-r-l-i-t-e and it is a polymer magazine and those are 30 bucks they work very well they're reliable and they're cheap and cheerful um, so you could get those and uh, then we have usgi mags that are brand new in the wrapper pre-bands never seen uh, service and those are about 65 a piece so you can do the math on that um, whichever way you want to go and we also have some pre-band 20 round mags for 40 bucks or 45 bucks and we also usually have some 
used USGI mags for anywhere between 55 and 60 bucks. So, and are there favorite shotgun choices for hunters? Depends what you're hunting, but a good all-around shotgun is like a Mossberg 8, uh, excuse me, Mossberg 500 or a Remington 870. Or if you want to get into a semi-automatic, the 1100 or the uh, 930. The, those are some good ones. Uh, the Mossberg 535 is a great shotgun because it, uh, the one we offer has three barrels for deer hunting, a slug barrel, and it also has like a longer bird barrel and a turkey barrel. So that's what I would suggest. Um, so thanks for the question. And guys, we're running out of time, uh, but the show is ending here on the first segment. You can join us online after this, or if you're on WCRN, stay tuned for the second hour. And we thank you for tuning in. The show goes on from here, so go to capegunworks.com, rapid fire, and join us on the Ranger here. Extended answers to your questions. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. Don't go away. We will be right back, and we'll also see you next week. Take care. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe.
May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Welcome to Rapid Fire, sponsored by Vortex. I'm your host, Toby Leary, co-owner of Cape Gunworks down in Hyannis. And we encourage you all to tune in every week by going to capegunworks.com and click on Rapid Fire to join the conversation. Remember to like us on all our social media platforms, controlled by big tech and otherwise some freedom-loving ones. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Parlor, Twitch, Daily Motion, and soon to be some others. So wherever you find your favorite social media channel, we should be there unless we're being shadow banned or censored by the big tech giants. Um, but we welcome you to the show, the second half of the show, the second hour here. Um, and we will be getting to your questions. We have a lot to talk about. We have a special guest on the show later. And also, um, I hope I want to know if you guys have heard any of the 2A Tuesday stuff on the Grace Curley show. So you can always chime in. Uh, and one of the texters just says, yeah, or in Facebook jail. <laughs> yeah, if you find yourself in Facebook jail a lot, you might have trouble finding or hearing our show live. So that's why you need multiple accounts. That's a pro tip right there. So anyway, um, we'd be glad to have you. So yeah, did you hear us on, do you listen, number one, to the Grace Curley Show? And number two, if you did or do, have you heard us on 2A Tuesday where we're kind of going a little bit more mainstream as far as in a more traditional talk radio show. Every week we have a segment on the Grace Curley Show where we take your Second Amendment question and in a unorthodox arena of, you know, it's not a show that's specifically geared towards the Second Amendment. And also I filled in for Grace Curley last week and did a full three-hour show. And it was funny because I had two or three pages of topics to talk about, but it just kept coming back by callers and text and whatnot to the gun world. So I feel like people in gun world want to talk about guns, just just my observation. And so we are the only talk radio show dedicated to the Second Amendment, to firearms and self-defense and we're really excited about uh, being here and filling that gap because I felt like it was a, a big hole in the radio lineup in our area for a long time um, but that's why we do what we do we try to you see some work that needs doing you just get out and do it right <laughs> and so that's what we're doing so we're going to take your questions in a little bit and also, I wanted to talk about uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition has, um, as I've mentioned on prior shows, has taken uh, you know, out a lawsuit against the state of Massachusetts for the burdensome and, uh, you know, illegal, frankly, uh, violation of its citizens' civil rights by enacting this really uh, uh i don't know what you'd call it but this ridiculous list of firearms that we can and can't buy 
It's definitely arbitrary, and uh, they claim safety, but it was never about safety because they couldn't point to somebody who had injured themselves correctly using a firearm as the reason why they wanted to use the Consumer Protection Act to violate people's Second Amendment rights. It was always a backdoor gun ban. I don't even think they were too secretive about that being the mission. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't, oh, we want to make our citizens safer because they all seem to be killing themselves with guns as they properly use them. No, that wasn't the case. It was, shoot, we want to slow down the influx of guns into Massachusetts. The only way we can do that is to use some arbitrary and capricious uh law that we can create like uh and we'll say we'll compare it to seat belts in an automobile oh you would never dream of selling a car without seat belts so why do you sell firearms that haven't been safety tested well because there's a lot of uh safety put into the design of the gun that the manufacturers uh have you know rolled out and put into testing and frankly the industry is going to police its own in that regard if you put out a gun that isn't safe it's going to be there's going to be lawsuits and there's going to be uh, as some of our manufacturers local locally have found uh, there will be lawsuits and frankly they're going to have to answer for that but the bottom line is you have a gun that is universally used throughout the entire country the most popular handgun out there, say a Glock, for instance, and used by 65% of all police departments. And Tom O'Reilly, the attorney general at the time, has said that this gun is not safe for sale in the state of Massachusetts. So because he says it's not safe for sale, why do they allow police departments to continue to carry them and buy them? That's That sounds uh, literally like negligent or negligence or fraud, if you will, to say that this gun is too unsafe for the average person to use, but you're going to allow police departments to carry it. Sounds like you're either setting up your police department for catastrophic failure, which would be fraudulent, or you aren't really after safety, you're after gun control without having to pass a traditional gun control bill. Yeah. That's my question. That's what I'm asking right now. Um, I know the answer, and uh, so does everybody else, but we just go along with it to get along, which isn't cool. All right, so we're going to talk a couple of your questions here. Uh, one is, um, oh, I'm sorry, before we get to the questions, uh, so the state of Massachusetts just filed a motion to dismiss the Firearms Policy Coalition lawsuit in Massachusetts challenging the approved weapons roster. And now the ball is back in the court of... Yeah, boo, boo, boo. The ball is back in the court of the Firearms Policy Coalition or back in their hands to, you know, file their opposition to the motion to dismiss. And isn't it typical of, you know, the government or the attorney general's office or whoever is going to be uh, taking up this lawsuit and defending their violations of Second Amendment and civil rights, uh, 
that they wouldn't even want to have the day in court. They just immediately file a motion to dismiss. It's like, oh, please, like you're challenging our restriction on your Second Amendment right. Let's go to court and file a motion to dismiss. And I'm sure they've found favorably in some cases. I know with the assault weapons ban, there was, you know, uh, some of the lawsuits were able to proceed and others were uh, not able to proceed. And it's like, you know, that court that says, no, you can't bring this lawsuit in a court of law. What happened to the part of like, you know, allowing the people to have uh, redress of grievances in a prompt manner against their government when they feel they have overstepped the line? Um, That's the most basic form of freedom if you will or you know that's how an open and honest society and a government of the people for the people by the people would want to act but no we have people challenging our authority in court and we file a motion to dismiss i'm going to read a little bit about that on the other side so if you're looking for the best legal protection text cgwma to 281-603-0066 text cgwma Two eight one six zero three zero zero six six for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance or a membership that'll keep you covered. All right, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host Toby Leary. Don't go away. Nobody thinks it will happen to them, but with over two thousand emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline. It's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, co-owner of Cape Gunworks, and we're glad you're joining us here today. And also joining us is Russell, who is a sales staff all-star here at Cape Gunworks. So if you haven't come in and met Russell yet, you got to do that. So he is going to take very good care of you. He is a very knowledgeable associate here. And uh, Russ, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, Toby. And no one has a gun to your head. You're here on your own volition, right? You're here under your own free will. You're not under duress. <laughs> I don't think so. Unless I'm, I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, no, I appreciate you joining the show. And I always wanted to pick your brain a little bit about, number one, how did you find us here at Cape Gunworks? What, how did you decide you wanted to work for us? And what, what led you to our door? Well, I was actually working at this uh, little mom and pop shop near... Uh, near where I I live. I live in Lakeville and um, we were uh, 
working during the pandemic at the height of the pandemic and we were supposed to be shut down technically but we decided to do kind of like a curbside business like restaurants were doing at the time and stuff and uh, I actually took the call from you guys uh, because you guys had been shut down because there was a pending uh, you guys were involved with a pending lawsuit in terms of having to close down and so you guys were helping us out in terms of supplies firearms things like that and I actually took that phone call and I remember thinking, I don't, I don't know what's going to come of this, but I'll pass it on to my boss anyways. <laughs> yeah, so just a little background story there. Like the gun runner in uh, Middleborough uh, was the only gun store. How was it to be the only gun store open in the state? <laughs> I mean, every other gun store was shut down. And, you know, here you guys are. All of a sudden, the whole state's coming to your door. I mean, it must have been pandemonium on the field. So That was crazy. All the time, we were always busy, always rushing. There were, the parking lot so small, but it was always so full. And I remember one time uh, I came in for work and some customers came over and said, hey, there's two state troopers over near your sign. I said, oh, boy, it's over. <laughs> and so we walked in and I told my boss, I'm like, hey, there's two stateies over near our sign. And they're just kind of chilling out. And he's like, oh, all right. <laughs> and they walk in and they're looking around and I'm holding my breath and they go, do you guys have any nine millimeter? Do you have any five five six? You're the only store in the area, and we need something. We're dry. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because we were told we could still service law enforcement, but that was it. And it was funny because of the the way the edict came down. It was, you know, you had to, you could do manufacturing and you could service law enforcement. And as a manufacturer we felt that gave us the right to be open. And so we were served papers from our uh, local police department and the cop who came in was actually a good friend of the store and he goes, look, don't shoot the messenger, you know. And uh, But they were enforcing basically the shutdown and the changing of the rules of the shutdown like after it had already been put out there that gun stores were considered uh, a, you know, a business that was you know, um, whatever you call it, uh, <laughs> having a senior moment here, uh, essential. A, uh, essential. Thank you. That was the word I'm looking for. I figure all businesses are essential, especially to the people who own them. But, um, so we were originally considered an essential business. Then they said, Oh, wait a minute. No, like more Healy's tweet went out about, you know, guys beating their wives during the pan pandemic and, you know, and also making sure people had clean and healthy access to legal abortions and everything else. And by the way, gun stores are not essential. So that was the end of that. The plug was pulled promptly the next day and we were given notice to shut down, even though we were a manufacturer and we serviced the uh, local police department and military uh, supply chains. But they said, oh yeah, you can keep doing that. I'm like, well, that doesn't keep our lights on. What keeps our lights on is servicing the public. And that enables us to then supply the law enforcement community and military, et cetera, et cetera. So we decided to, you know, I know John, the owner of uh, Gun Parlor, was having trouble even getting product because it was tough to, at the time. And while we're shut down, we said, well, we might as well just wholesale stuff to him to feed the machine, you know, if he's the only one around. So you guys didn't do that. And obviously, he wasn't given the same notice by his police department that we were. So therefore, and even if he was, he still might have defied it. I don't know. But the point of the matter is that was the big difference was having a, a local 
law enforcement agency that's willing to shut you down versus one that doesn't care. So mm. um, it all worked out. It seemingly all worked out well for him. So that's a good thing. But in the meantime, we got you out of the deal, I guess. <laughs> so uh, I guess that was a good switch. We gave him some ammo and some guns and we got Russ in return. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the what's the biggest difference? I mean, that wasn't the first gun store you worked at, right? Um, ironically enough, I actually started out in the gun industry at Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh boy. That was something else. That was crazy. I actually, um, I started joining when the Parkland massacre happened and then the, uh, and then the whole company changed their policy on guns. And I remember, um, going up the stairs. I was, I was pretty upset because it's like, I, I had my FID card at the time. Mm. So I was basically told I couldn't buy product out of my own department. Um, so I saw everybody from the department storming out, and they, and then I, uh, I walked in, and they said, "Russ, pretty much everyone from the department has defaulted. Um, they've left." And one guy, because they changed their policies around, actually brought every single gun he bought from Dicks, and he returned it that day. No kidding. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. And I was like, I don't blame you. Wow. The industry that eats its own mm-hmm. um, gun, you know, culture is very quick to you know judge and make decisions a lot of times I will say without even knowing the full story mm. but this is one that they got 100% right i think that people's animosity and you know anger towards a company that would take your money for all those years and then under political pressure or some news story or some uh, woke mob, you know, putting pressure on them, all of a sudden causing them to just acquiesce and and basically concede the fact that it's our fault that psychos shoot up schools. Right. Because that's really the, what the message you're saying is. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to sell guns to people under 18, I mean, uh, under 21. And we're no longer selling AR-15s. We're not going to sell any semi-automatics. We're going to basically sell hunting shotguns. Yeah. And that's a total disregard for the whole Second Amendment as a as a concept and basically just becoming a European-style gun shop where we're only going to sell to the, to the gentry and therefore, you know— uh, Everybody, everything else is evil, and we don't want to yeah. participate in it. So I think they got it right. So that mm-hmm. obviously made you want to find another job, right? Yeah. the The last nail in the coffin was when they were. Um, I I had gotten word that they were looking at hiring political uh, anti gun lobbyists into Congress, and I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm out of here. Wow. Well, I remember uh, there was a lot of gun manufacturers fleeing. Uh, their relationship with Dick's, like they were storming out of a burning mm-hmm. building. Oh yeah, I mean it just it happened overnight. I know Mossberg dropped them right away. I remember and, that. Yep, and uh, for good reason. So yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I don't even know if they sell guns anymore. Maybe they do, but the store I worked at doesn't anymore. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, um, that's good because you can't have one foot out and one foot in. So mm-hmm. that's the way I feel. But so, what do you like to do? You like to shoot? You like to collect you like what's your passion and when it comes to guns what got you interested in guns um i'm really big into history so uh collecting artifacts eventually just turned into collecting guns Mm. and there was no turning back at that point yeah yeah it was ironic enough most most of my family really wasn't into guns 
my parents weren't into guns. Nobody was into guns. And then one day I, I brought home a Daisy Red Rider, and that was <laughs> and much against uh, much against what my family wanted. But I just brought it in one day, and I was like, "That's it." They didn't start calling you Ralphie and saying you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> no. See, what's really funny is I'm, I have a very similar story. I, my parents weren't into guns. My None of my extended family was into guns. And I started shooting in the Boy Scouts at 12 and got bit by a bug that I couldn't shake at that point. And my parents wouldn't even let me get a BB gun. I was like, no, you're not getting a BB gun. They they put their foot down. And, uh, well, I guess I've shown them a little bit as far as... Uh, <laughs> I think so. looks like it. Yeah. I remember having to, like, smuggle my friend's BB gun in a big green army sack when he slept over the house and would, like, go up in the attic and shoot out the window uh, in the into the woods and stuff like that. And then would, like, you know shoot everything that moved in the woods the next day out you know birds and squirrels and everything with these bb guns and you know we terrorized the the woods for sure but um yeah so that that started my passion so mm. and uh so you like collecting uh you know milsurp or stuff with some sort of historicity to it right yeah anything with historical value um i especially like guns from world war ii in the dirty 30s um that era Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little bit of a crime and justice person. I got my degree in crime and justice. So one thing I like to study is organized crime and also kind of how things kind of developed, especially in the thirties. Sure. Yeah. So, the, um, the, the, the guys who screwed it up for the rest of us, right? Yeah. 1934. So, that was the year. Yeah. So that's when the whole NFA act came out and ruined good stuff for the rest of us it's like the kid dribbling the basketball in the living room and knocking over mom's base yeah this is why we can't have nice things exactly because people like al capone were shooting up barber shops with their tommy guns so yep here we are you know the the whole the rest of the here's the rest of the story but all right well thanks so much for joining us uh russell if you haven't met russell you want to come down meet him pick his brain he's a wealth of information he knows more about old stuff than most guys like me so you want to come down and talk to him and and uh he'll help you any way he can thanks so much for joining us and we're glad to have you on the team and you're listening to rapid fire we have regularly scheduled classes including ladies only and couples classes at capegunworks.com so if you don't have your gun gun license yet you want to get signed up soon So come on down to Cape Gunworks and go to capegunworks.com and sign up for a class. We will be right back. More after this. I'm Toby Leary. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1 MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16 MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low light shooting, and because the reticle is glass etched, it can also function without any illumination. 
When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets out to 600 yards, while the Bullet Drop Compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target out to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC3. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Make sure you join us for the Gunmakers Match, a shooting contest for gunmakers being held at Cape Gunworks for the first time ever on November 20th and 21st. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the Gunmakers banner for registration. This is a great time to get together with other like-minded people who are going to be shooting guns that they have made, either through a kit or through a 3D-printed platform of some sort or good old like hammer and tong you know metal work if you're that talented and you're going to be shaping metal and you know making stuff like that that's fine too and firearms policy coalition who has filed a lawsuit in massachusetts i'm sorry excuse me in federal district court um it's called granada versus healy um has just recently updated the roster uh the case uh on their website so on 820 they updated this that maura healy has uh filed or the district of massachusetts has filed um a motion to dismiss i'm going to read that it says massachusetts filed a motion to dismiss today in a lawsuit challenging the state's approved gun roster and Attorney General's handgun sales regulations. The motion argues that the judge should dismiss the lawsuit against it, saying that there are hundreds of handgun models that plaintiffs can lawfully buy in Massachusetts, that some states required that firearms pass safety and quality inspections in the early 19th century. In addition, the motion argues that even assuming the handgun safety regulations touch upon Second Amendment rights, they do not impose a substantial burden on those rights and easily survive immediate scrutiny. The plaintiffs will now have an opportunity to respond to the motion. I mean, this whole argument is so uh, ostentatious. I mean, just to say, like, you'll get what we give you. That's the tone of this is you'll, you'll eat it and like it. That's what my dad used to say as I was sitting at the dinner table. You're going to eat it and like it, right? So, <laughs> so you get what we give you and you're lucky you have that. So shut up and go home. And uh, they're asking for the court. <laughs> they're asking for the courts to, to shut it down and dismiss this. Don't even give it the time of day in court. Don't even give it, you know... Why are you even listening to these people? Why are you even giving them the possibility of, uh, you know, being able to redress these quote-unquote grievances, grievances? Psh, 
They're just a bunch of petulant children. They're spoiled brats that want a Glock. Please go find something else like an M&P with a 10 and a half pound trigger. Go find, you know, a nice uh, Beretta 92 FS. No, not the M9. You can have the Beretta 92 FS. There you have it. <laughs> and if you don't, and if like the company doesn't want to pay thousands of dollars to send five samples of every model gun that they want tested to an independent testing lab and pay that fee and then don't get anything back in return, then you don't get to sell your gun in Massachusetts, even though it's proven itself to be a very <laughs> standard gun throughout the past, whatever, in Glock's case, 20, 25 years. Yeehaw. Welcome to Masganistan. All right. I'll get off that hobby horse, but support Firearms Policy Coalition. They're doing great work in lots of different states, in most of which are in hostile territory. And they just filed a lawsuit in California suing uh, to protect your right to make your own gun. So there you have that. And that's happened in several other states as well. So they're really doing good work in multiple states. And all of those lawsuits come at a heavy price. So you got to support them. All right, let's get back to some of your questions here on the chat. And if you haven't followed us at capegunworks.com, click on rapid fire to be updated on whenever we go live and you can make your question known to the world. So there you have that. And the hometown boy says he just picked up a brand new Glock Gen 5 for 550 bucks. Great gun. And that's cool. I'm glad you were able to find one because they are not easy to find. So it's, you know, one of those things that if you find one and you grab it, you're smart. You know, I don't know if he uh, did the frame game, which is perfectly legal to do where you can buy a frame and then kind of build your own. So there, there you go. Tom says, just curious, why do you specify striker fire for your intuitive pistol class? Can I use my P30? And Tom, absolutely, you can use whatever gun you typically carry. Bring it to class and we'll run it. Make sure you run it well. Um, I don't specify. We suggest. Modern striker-fired guns are just typically easier to use um, than most non-striker-fired guns or double-action, single-action guns or guns with thumb safeties. Single-action guns are in that category as well. So if you can get a gun that does not have a thumb safety or a you know lever, a decock lever or a you know um, double action, single action uh, trigger, then it'll usually run a little easier for you in the class. And you know a defensive tool is just that. It's a tool to keep you alive. So, Hopefully you'll be able to um, you'll be able to use that to the best of your ability to keep yourself alive. I've personally carried a single action gun for a long time and was very good at running it and proficient. But I I noticed that it still took more work and more dedication to training to be as proficient with that gun as a gun that doesn't have a thumb safety. So there you go. And up until now. You couldn't even have like a SIG 320 or a 365 without a thumb safety. It's not that you couldn't have it. It's just that you couldn't get it at the gun store because they aren't on the list. So 
now you can buy those fire control units and build your own. So therefore you can have the one without the thumb safety. So that's a good way to go. What makes a SIG MCX Virtus and a DRD Aptis legal in mass but not a regular AR? That's a good question, Kay. And the answer is because it's not an AR. Neither one of those are AR-15s. They're much different operating systems, much different uh, construction. Uh, in, in both cases, they don't even have like a buffer tube, a buffer, a buffer spring. They have a totally different design, more like a SCAR uh, or a, you know, uh, the CZ Bren or something like that, where you have this recoil spring that is over the bolt carrier group. And then the bolt carrier group is truncated. It's not the full size like an M16. And there's no interchangeable parts. They don't uh, just swap out with your typical AR-15. And they are much different guns than AR-15. So that's why. It's not a regular AR. That's why we can sell it. So um, with some modifications for Massachusetts. Uh, Davy says... Uh, there are no Glock fanboys in mass, just victims of tyranny. That's true. Um, we all want what we can't have, right? And it's, especially when the government says, you can't have that. It's like, what are you talking about, I can't? It's the most popular gun in America. And after the Heller case, the guns that are common and ordinary are what the people can have. And so how is the attorney general and how is the mass state legislature not infringing on my rights? That's what I want to know. Change my mind. Mass approved weapons roster infringes upon my civil rights. Change my mind. All right. Shooting Gallery New England. What's up, buddy? That is none other than Joe, our gunsmith, weighing in that 80% arms GST9 has a great grip angle and texture. They're another one of those 80% companies, so uh, you can get one of those. He's actually, I think, done a video where he puts it all together and puts it up on the his youtube channel so go to shooting gallery new england if you want to see that and uh, he likes it and says it fits his hand really well so there you go kj says is there any market out there for a used glock 27 absolutely um, if it's a gen 3 or newer you're going to do a private sale on that or i would have to hold it and sell it to law enforcement only um, but there are people who want Glock 27s or they'll get a conversion barrel and make them into a Glock 26. But anyway, uh, there's a good secondary market out there for Glocks. So yeah, if you if you do a private transfer, if it's a post, you know, Gen 3, then you can do a private transfer. All right, MacMan has the question of the week. Is the P365XL too big for appendix carry? And the answer to that is a big no, because I am currently carrying a 365 appendix, and mine actually has a red dot sight. So I'm going to do a video on this coming up that I've just recently, and today was day one of my new everyday carry being a 365 XL. And I was very resistant or hesitant to change, but then I realized that the downside is minimal, and the upside is really good. And so therefore, the the change made sense. I weighed the options and said, with my aging eyes, 
I can shoot a red dot sight better for precision or at distance. Um, it doesn't. It's a moot point at the most likely distance that I would need to shoot a gun, but um, and it's marginally longer, so the difference for appendix carry is negligible. So yeah, it's a great, great gun for appendix carry, and I am currently carrying. So I'm sure there's lots of jokes that could go along with that comment, which we will not go there. So um, anyway, Luis says, a f hey, quick question. My wife just got her license, which is a good start gun or starter gun? So um, that's a great question, Luis, and one that I can't just blanket statement. But a good place to start would be to come in and have her try out a 365, 365XL, the Shield EZ. The Shield Plus is a good gun. Um, these are all some good suggestions. The Mossberg MC2C, the Mossberg MC1, the Taurus G3 Compact. These are all good. Um, these are all good, uh, you know, guns to try out. And you can also, uh, you know, rent them on our range for the most part. So most of those guns I just listed, we have on our range. We have a good variety in the cases but the bottom line is it has to be a gun that fits her hand well and that she can shoot well and work the controls of i alluded earlier in the first hour of nicole who was taking a class from me uh, a couple weeks ago our intuitive defensive shooting class and she was running a glock 19 and her hand just didn't fit the gun very well and i told her about halfway through the class i'm like you're not gonna like what i have to say she's like what's that and i'm like but I don't think that gun fits, fits your hand very well. She goes, oh, thank you for saying that because I was wondering why I was struggling so much. But um, yeah, test your gear out, but make sure she can shoot the gun. And also, is it for defensive purposes or is it just a range plinker? She's just looking for a 22 to have some fun. This is all stuff that you can find out if you take a private lesson. So get one-on-one -on -one instruction tailored to you. We have lessons for pistol, rifle, and shotgun. Book or test out different guns. Go to Cape Gunworks right now and click on Privates if you want to get signed up. And that'll be a good way to figure out what's a great starter gun for you. All right, more on the other side. You're listening to Cape Gunworks' uh, talk show called Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. We'll be right back. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Snap Safe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. Snap Safe, a modular safe with welded safe security.
back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and join us every week. Go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and make your comment known to the world. Let your voice be heard. You can follow us on our usual, all the usual social media sites at Cape Gunworks, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc., etc., and soon to be some freedom-loving ones as well, so you won't have to just stick with the big tech giants that are committed to you know, silencing dissenting voices and those of that are geared toward freedom. So anyway, um, we were talking about uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition's uh, lawsuit here in Massachusetts and that Mass had filed a motion to dismiss. And one of our listeners has chimed in on the chat and said that Firearms Policy Coalition filed their their uh opposition to the motion to, to dismiss on the 17th of September. So that's good. They didn't update their website that I could see. But anyway, that's good news. And hopefully they are successful in opposing that uh, that motion to dismiss. We need all the hope we can get in this state. <laughs> I actually had a gun store down south say, hey, send me your FFL. I got a, um, a customer that wants a transfer and I said okay just let me know what the gun is before you ship so that we don't get the gun and realize we can't transfer it and have to ship it back to you at a cost to the customer and he said geez hopefully you can own a charter arms five shot 38 special up there and lol he gave me the lol and I'm like don't take it so lightly because fortunately that is a gun that the customer can own but if it was a Taurus five shot 38 it would be a no or a Kimber K6 or a you know number of other guns out there the Chiapas which are really cool revolvers we can't own those you know they might be unsafe because they haven't sent to an independent testing lab and spent ten thousand dollars to get them approved and added to our mass weapons roster so um yeah, getting back to your questions here. Uh, Kegel says, with a pre-band lower, I can literally build it any way I want. And yeah, I mean, as long as it doesn't violate the NFA, the National Firearms Act. So obviously, you know, it's not a short-barreled rifle or a machine gun or something like that. Yeah, you can build it any way you want. Uh, you could build it into a pistol or a rifle and you don't need to worry about all the quote-unquote evil features so there you go um can i swap out uppers and do i have to register each upper or am i good with just registering the lower um you don't register the lower or the upper you register the complete gun so if you have the gun built and you finished it on a stripped lower you're registering that gun and yeah you can absolutely swap out the upper uh, there's no harm or foul in that as long as again it doesn't violate the nfa you can't go back and forth between a 16 inch barrel and a 10 and a half inch barrel unless you pay the tax you got to pay the piper you got to pay the tax and it's a 200 dollar tax on short barreled rifles and this becomes really asinine if you ask me when you look at what the military uses which is a 14 and a half inch barrel because it's optimized for the 55 grain full metal jacket round and 
based on length and velocity and everything else that they scientifically came up with. They love the, the 14 and a half inch barrel. But yet you are required to have a 16 inch barrel. If you have a barrel less than 16 inches, then it is a you know it, it is an NFA item and subject to a $200 tax stamp and a lot of paperwork and registration registration with the federal government. So, and it restricts your movement with the guns. You got to let them know if you leave in the state and blah blah blah. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. So, for that inch and a half, or if it's 15.9 inches for that matter, you would have to register it with the federal government and pay 200 bucks. But if it's 16, you're okay. You don't have to. So just crazy. But um, so, yeah, the only thing someone's answering Kegel and saying the only thing that matters is the lower. You can put brand new uppers on it, which is true. You can put whatever upper on it you want. You don't register uppers or lowers for that matter. You just do the, uh, you just do the, uh, you know, the the complete gun once the gun goes bang you have seven days to uh, to register it matt saying john at the gun runner is a riot the dude is hilarious so um yeah he is pretty funny and i know uh shooting or riding shotgun with charlie uh the guy uh interviewed him when the pandemic was in full swing and the pandemic i use in air quotes but uh the he took him for a ride and interviewed him and he was pretty funny in his interview he didn't pull any punches so we kept him well fed while we were shut down fighting the good fight in our lawsuit to reopen which we were successful in so get the best legal protection by texting cgwma to 281-603-0066 text cgwma to 281-603-0066 Members can call lawyers anytime, even for compliance questions. And they protect you if you use any other item in self-defense, not just guns. So check them out at U.S. Law Shield. All right. We will be right back after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. Go to capegunworks.com and click on Rapid Fire to be alerted whenever we go live because you don't want to miss out and you want to get your questions answered. And Luis was saying, 
Cape Gunworks guy, please hurry up and answer some questions. So I apologize if it's been a while, but we're going to jump right in in this final segment, try to get all of your questions answered. And he says he'll be visiting the shop this weekend, so make sure you try out some guns with your wife, and congratulations on her getting her license to carry. Um, Tom is wondering what the process is for becoming a firearms instructor. And it depends on what you want to instruct. If it's just basic NRA certifications or to become a uh, licensed carry instructor here in Massachusetts, you basically just need to become a basic NRA certified instructor. And there are gun clubs that offer um, that certification class, or you could go to um, you know, the NRA website and find out whenever they're going to be posting a class to to become a basic instructor. I know there's an online component to it now as well as an in-person component. So you could do that. Uh, the USCCA is another one that you can become an uh, instructor for. So it's it's a pretty good way to go. And then there's more advanced firearms instructor uh, programs out there uh, that take a lot more time, effort, and energy. But USCCA is the best path for that, in my opinion. I like their defensive firearms coach or the uh, DFS instructor level one and level two. So those, a bunch of our instructors here have gone through that curriculum. So it's, it's a hefty investment, but it's worth it. Um, so the hometown says picking up a Radian mod one, uh, the stock is going to have to be pinned. It sucks that the stock is going to have to be pinned the same along with the muzzle brake, but happy to have one. Yeah, that's uh. That's the price you pay in Massachusetts. Because if the stock wasn't pinned and your muzzle brake was threaded on there, then it would obviously be an assault weapon. So we don't want those. I mean, we need our streets to be safe and a responsible gun owner in possession of a AR-15 with an adjustable stock is unfathomable. I mean, it's just... I mean, you can't... You just... I don't. Need, I can't even let my mind go there. In other words, like you could maybe adjust that stock to fit the length of pull that you need to get a good, comfortable shot. That's crazy talk. Uh, what do you think this is? I mean, this is. Don't be crazy. All right. You get what you get. Be happy with it, and uh, you know you're gonna eat it and like it. All right. <laughs> oh, oh boy. My. Easy. That's what I say. Easy. All right, Davy. Forget the handgun roster. He just wants a Henry Axe. Yeah, there's a lot of good guns out there like that are borderline uh, antique type of guns. Like uh, the there's the whole Henry, uh, the Mare's Leg, which is like a lever action rifle with like a truncated stock on it um, that fits in the scabbard of your horse. You know, that that would be dangerous if that was floating around on the streets of uh, Massachusetts, so we can't have those. But and Matt just wants a VP9SK for crying out loud. We can have the VP9, and we can have the P30SK. Why can't I have the VP9SK? Because Massachusetts. That's it. That's it. Because Massachusetts. So yeah, the P30SK with the LEM trigger is as close as you can get. So Jim wants to know what the key points are when building my own AR. And yes, he his lower has a fixed pinned mag so the key points are you you don't need to worry about having an adjustable stock if you have a pinned magazine because it can't be considered an assault weapon so put on whatever stock you want 
whatever muzzle device you want. You can have threaded barrel. You can have, you can even make it into a pistol with one of those arm brace, you know, stabilizing brace kits and register it as a pistol with your 14 and a half inch barrel. <laughs> and uh, as crazy as all that is. So none of that matters because it has a, pi a pinned fixed magazine. So um, the big thing is the hardest part of that process is mounting the barrel to the gun, making sure that it's you know, properly torqued on and also securing your gas block and tube. And that's kind of the most critical part of the gun to make sure it's reliable and it's going to work correctly. Um, the lower parts kit, you can get through if you go Google YouTubes or something like that. And back in the day, we used to have AR-15 build classes, which were awesome. So it would, from start to finish, help you help you through it. Once it was all done, we'd go to the range and shoot it. It would be a lot of fun. It's pretty cool. But then 7-20-16 happened, the day that will live in infamy. Davey says, how long do I think until the FN 502 becomes mass compliant? Looks like a great 22. It's an awesome 22. And when I first held it, I was like, I want this gun. But Massachusetts. So there you go. And Michael Fonts says, uh, Russ helped listing his consignments and he found him to be very knowledgeable, making it a great time. Good deal, man. I'm glad you brought him in. And uh, I think those guns are going to sell, sell very well. Uh, Kegel saying, what's the most ridiculously horrible gun accessory I've seen or used? Uh, one of them is the uh, muzzle brake, AR-15 muzzle brake that has Picatinny rail on all four sides of it. That is the most ridiculously horrible gun accessory I have ever seen. And I would never have used it for anything. I don't know what you could put on it that... You know, if you put a sight on it, it's going to blow off when you shoot. If you put a vertical foregrip on it, you're going to be stretching your arm way back out and probably putting your limbs in danger. So that one is the first one that comes to mind as the most ridiculous gun accessory I've ever seen or used. Um, I remember there was even some people with these bayonets for handguns. That was pretty interesting. So you could put this little bayonet on your handgun, which would make the holster a little awkward and definitely don't want to appendix carry that with bayonet affixed so <laughs> that would be a horrible gun accessory that i have seen but not used and uh tom says he heard us on grace curly show and uh, heard me filling in the past friday and it was a breath of fresh air compared to the 24 7 political talk oh cool well, that's good to hear thank you very much um and then the hometown says you could get a 14 and a half inch barrel, pin and weld it with a muzzle brake to make it compliant with the NFA. Correct. As long as you get out past that 16 inch, then you could pin and weld that on, which we've done. We get the 14 and a half inch barrels and you just pin and weld the muzzle brake, which you have to do in this state anyway. So there you go. Are we going to be doing any more giveaways on the show? The people want to know. And yeah, we'll do that. Um, maybe we'll start that next week. We'll start giving stuff away because why not we could do that um and the larp says any recommendations for slug gun for deer yes i would say get the thompson center pro hunter encore pro hunter um in the 20 gauge rifled barrel that's what i use so i love that gun it's awesome it's a tack driver out to 200 yards 
and it is a deer slayer. But if you want follow-up shots, then I would look at that Mossberg 535 pump, or you could also look at the Savage 220, which is a bolt action with a three-shot. It's got a two-shot magazine, and uh, those are also tack drivers. So those are great options for deer hunting in Massachusetts, and I would highly recommend any of those three. So thank you for tuning in, guys. This is the end of the second hour, but the show continues on. If you go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire and tune into those shows that you missed. Go to wherever you podcast your shows. It's Rapid Fire, all one word. And keep up the good fight. Support your local community and your local gun ad. Be a local gun advocate. And together as Americans, we can overcome anything, right? So keep up the good work. We appreciate you joining. And I'm Toby Leary. God bless. We'll see you next time.